right. There's my keys. Good morning, everybody. <sighs> Welcome to Driving Theology. My name is Mike, and uh, this is my weekly uh, deep dive into uh, shallow waters. <laughs> take a, isn't that a saying? Hey, take a deep dive in a shallow pool. Uh, <laughs> deep dive in shallow waters. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is like that sometimes. I don't know what it'll be today. Um, there are things that are going on in the world that are obviously no laughing matter. Um, but let me, let me get to that in a second. It's a beautiful autumn day. Uh, it is Wednesday, let's say the 11th, yeah, uh, October 11th, Wednesday, October 11th, and uh, just beautiful weather outside. Uh, let's see what the temperature is. 21 degrees, it's kind of warm. It's been much, much uh, chillier the last several days. We've had a lot of rain, but today is sunny. Blue sky, just a few clouds and warm. Got a little breeze. I mean, it's a perfect autumn day. Leaves have not really begun changing around here yet, but other than that, just gorgeous, just beautiful. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know all the details. Uh, I am not an expert on what is going on in Israel. Uh, I am a novice, uh, a um, completely outside observer like most everybody else. Uh, I see, uh, I don't watch the news a lot, but I see major stories that come up and obviously uh, this is a major story, um, what's going on now in uh, the quote-unquote Holy Land. Um, <clears throat> so, from what I know, of course, there have been tensions and constant um, fighting back and forth for many years between Gaza and Israel. Uh Gaza borders Israel. I can't even tell you what they're fighting about so much. <clears throat> but it does seem like Gaza is uh, under a uh, separate um, controlling body than Israel. They have a border, right? They're separated, I guess. I guess the Palestinian state is a separate country, but I don't think Israel necessarily necessarily sees it that way. And I think therein lies uh, a lot of the problems. Um, but everybody knows, more or less, uh, that the problems are, are multi-layered and incredibly complex. And a lot of people know that a lot of those layers were caused by America. And maybe uh, are exacerbated continually by America and American intervention. Um, 
but what happened this time? Let's just talk about that for a minute. What happened this time is that uh, some militants, possibly, who had uh, Iranian support, uh, attacked a music festival that was going on just over their border, about three kilometers away from their border in Israel. They went in and basically started a massacre uh, of uh, these people who were enjoying a, what looked to me like a rock festival, some kind of a music festival. Uh, hundreds of people have been killed. Uh, and now I think we're probably, with the retaliation, we're probably up to a thousand people or more have been killed because of this, because Israel uh, retaliated with rockets uh, which were fired uh, into uh, Gaza. Um, and so we have probably a thousand or more by, by this morning, it could be a lot more than that, uh, who are dead. Uh, and as I said, the issue is is multi-layered and incredibly complex and very old, right? It's a very old issue. Um, part of it, part of it is, you know, the issue that exists between uh, Islam and Judaism. Part of it's that. That could be what got it going, but I doubt that plays much into it right now. You know, we talk about the the old rivalry, basically, between that? Um, uh, between the the children of Ishmael and the children of Jacob, <clears throat> or Isaac, actually. Isaac was Ishmael's half brother, uh, and and that the covenants given to Israel came through Isaac and not through Ishmael. And so it's, even though Ishmael is the older son, he's not the son of the promise as far as Jewish people are concerned. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Abraham was prophesied to become a father of many nations and Ishmael became himself many nations, uh, as did probably Isaac. Uh, certainly one, but Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and Esau became, I believe, according to the Bible, the father of the Edomites. But So, many nations came out of, or at least multiple nations came out of both sons. And the old story goes is that they're, they're still fighting for their, you know, uh, to decide who who is the rightful heir uh, to be the chosen people of God, in a sense. Um, now, obviously, the Jewish religion is older than the Islamic religion, and the Ishmaelites uh, didn't become Islamic uh, until Muhammad uh, fathered the. Uh, religion of Islam, right? 
So that happened after Jesus. Uh, and so Christianity is older than Islam as well. <clears throat> but today, the three religions uh, all are fighting over, uh, from one perspective or another, fighting over the Holy Land. And have been for thousands of years. <clears throat> um, certainly for thousands of years, yeah. Uh, first, it was uh, the Christians. Uh, well, you know, the Jews basically were exiled from Jerusalem in that area, from Israel. They were scattered throughout the uh, throughout the world, more or less. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, the uh, there were Christians who remained there uh, after Jesus, and then. The Islamic people came <coughs> with a claim on Jerusalem as a holy site, and they wanted to take Jerusalem for their religion and their followers and for their God. And so, sorry, I'm having just a little bit of some uh, uh, sniffles from autumn allergies. Uh, and so the Crusades started happening where Christians were fighting the uh, the uh, Mohammedans uh, they've had many we've given them many words over the years but I don't know what they were called back then but basically the followers of Islam uh, have been fighting Christians over Jerusalem since you know the early middle ages um, and in a sense, that's still going on, you know, and a lot of it's ideological and, and political now. It's not necessarily physical fighting all the time, uh, but there's still an incredible amount of tension in this city. And so I wanted to, to, to talk about this today because uh, many people, including an aunt of mine, anytime anything happens in Israel, <clears throat> and especially when Israel starts fighting back or Israel makes a push, uh, uh, a military uh, operation on their neighbors, suddenly it's, it's the prophecy coming true that, that Israel is, is going to be um, under Jewish control again, that the temple will be rebuilt, and then Jesus will come back. <laughs> Sorry for the sniffles. I'd like to get rid of these things. Um, and so every time, every single time, okay, this is it, guys. This, this is it. <clears throat> and, of course, it never is, right? Because, because, first of all, God hates violence. God hates war. God would never uh, initiate war. God has never initiated war. Uh, if you've been following my podcast, you, you know kind of my thoughts on that and a lot of my thoughts come from other uh, people that I've read obviously who have, who have taught me um, how to read scripture more critically uh, how to interpret it uh, how to see uh, Christ in scripture and how to see where man is coming through scripture uh, and what I've what I've found 
Jesus to be uh, is an enemy-loving, uh, enemy, uh, you know, a person who sacrifices for his enemy, a person who, um, who loves his enemy so much that he would die for him and forgive him in the, in, in the dying at his hand, no less. That's, that's the personality of God, right? God's character is the opposite of violent. Now, there, there's violence that happens, I suppose, when you uh, come to know Christ in that uh, you, you have a, a, an internal violence, a, a conflict of conscience uh, and programming that happens when you meet um, the true Christ. Right there, there are there, there is a, a what we also call repentance. Right, uh, there's there needs to be a violent shift in the direction of your life, um, and I think there is when you truly see Jesus for who He is. Um, I think I think you will make a violent shift in your life, but violent uh, internal violence, right? A battle inside, a battle in your mind and your heart, uh, is completely different than a physical battle of of weapons and death and destruction. It's not the same thing. I think I think we we grow up in today's world as people, uh, more or less, depending on your culture and your upbringing, you are more or less acquainted with violence. Uh, even here in Japan, which is uh, probably one of the most more nonviolent countries, even here in Japan, there, you know, there is a level that you can cross where you may incur violence, uh, even though it's not the norm, right? It's not the norm. It, it does happen. You know, it does happen. Uh, police can get violent in uh, bringing down a criminal. It's not that it never happens. It's just that they're very reluctant to use violence. But it does happen. Um, it's just that I think the, the Japanese people set their, their limits very high. Right. Uh, whereas American cops are ready to get violent at a traffic stop, and they're always kind of posturing themselves, right, as a violent threat. The way they walk, the way they hold their gun on you know, their hand on their gun, or you know the way they puff out their chest, whatever, they're always trying to intimidate you from the get-go, so that they will deter you uh, from you being violent towards them, right? So you've got violence and the threat of violence. Uh, <laughs> this morning I, I felt compelled to, to uh, post something provocative on Facebook. We'll see how it goes. I just posted it probably less than uh, 30 minutes ago, around 30 minutes ago. But I, I posted Christians, some Christians would, ha would have you believe 
me see if I can get the wording right. Some Christians would have you believe that Jesus wants you to love your enemies, to turn the other cheek, and to forgive those who have wronged you. And then I put, oh, wait. Uh, and <laughs> and I, I just kind of want to see what kind of reaction I get from that, you know. Um, because people have this weird, they have this weird, skewed vision of God, right? They still believe in a warrior God. They, they still have this tribal idea that God is their avenger. That one day God will come back and, and avenge all the wrong that's been done to them. That God is going to come back and kill all the people that they hate. God is going to kill all the people that he hates. That right now, when Jesus came, Jesus came as a, as a lamb. Right? A lamb led to the slaughter, gentle, uh, meek. But when he comes back... He's going to come as a lion, the Lion of Judah. And that's that's one of the memes I'm seeing. Go, Lion of Judah! You know, like, pe people think that by supporting Israel in their uh, militaristic ways, that somehow uh, this is what God wants, that, that the Israelites are still God's chosen people. And it's just ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous and it's laughable. I hate to say that, but it, it, it's ridiculous. And uh, my old friend, Sean Hart, who was a preacher, and I, I don't really have a lot of contact with Sean. I haven't really talked to him probably in 10 years. But he's still on my Facebook page, and he did a thing uh, where he said why we should pray for Israel, why we should pray for what's going on in Israel. And his thing was, you know, yeah, we should pray for what's going on in Israel, not because they're the chosen people and what they're doing is God's will, but because they need Christ. They need Christ. They have rejected Christ, right? They don't accept Christ, who is one of them, by the way, who was a Jew. They don't accept Christ. And so we need to pray for their souls that they will accept Christ, that they will accept um, Jesus. And I had to... Uh, I had to agree. I had to agree with that. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I was like, all right. I, I thought he was going to go a completely different way. I, I clicked on his podcast thinking, or his, uh, post, it was a video post, uh, thinking he was going to go completely the other direction. Uh, but, uh, I was, very happy to see that he had a somewhat balanced approach. Now, I, I, I think I think you pray for, in, in my opinion, it's not about praying that they become Christians. Uh, I think that's, that's fine. I think everybody uh, knowing Jesus, I think they'll be better for it. And I say knowing Jesus, uh, not becoming Christian because becoming Christian is kind of a, a loaded term. There's a lot of baggage with that. But if they come to know Jesus and know who he is, truly know him deeply, I believe everybody is better because of that. I think everybody's changed because of that, which I just talked about a few minutes ago. Um, 
But I think where we should be praying is for the victims, that the victims are being comforted, that they, that they, that, that the, the killing will cease, uh, that people will be healed of their wounds, that, that hearts will be um, softened, right? That the, that the leaders will stop this madness of war. And this is the same thing we should be praying for the Russia-Ukraine conflict. It's a conflict, it's more of a Russian invasion. Uh, you know, these are all great things and good things to pray for. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, I, I agree we should pray for Israel, but I, I think we should pray that they will stop what they're doing, uh, that they will find a peaceful solution, that they will compromise their political agenda for the sake of peace uh, because people are more important than politics life uh, is more important than politics relationships are more important than politics literally everything almost is more important than politics and people are more important than religion Peace is more important than religion. So whatever the conflict is, whatever at, at you know is at the core uh, of this uh, fighting, it's not as important as the people that are being killed. Come on, it's obvious. This is an obvious truth, and the way you know it is to is to sacrifice the person most dear to you for this cause so if you if you take uh, let's say you have a son let's just let's just go with the God and Jesus metaphor let's say you have a son is your son's death worth the political position you are pursuing is it worth it to put your son's head on the chopping block not to be too graphic about it, so that you can gain the political edge, so that you can make inroads into your agenda. Now, ironically enough, this is not what God did with Jesus. First of all, I am not my father's son in the same way that Jesus is God's son. It's, it's not the same. Uh, my father is a completely separate being from me. We share some DNA. Uh, we share some, you know, some of our looks are the same, but we are each autonomous human beings. We're not connected uh, in any uh, real way. I make my own choices. My dad makes his own choices. Uh, in the same way, or in a completely different way, Jesus is called God's Son, and I think it's to fulfill Scripture, right? The Son of Man, the Son of God. Uh, I, think, I think this is all using the language that was uh, prophesied about him in the Old Testament. But Jesus is not God's Son in the same way that I am my Father's Son. Jesus is God in human form. 
He's a hundred percent God in human form. And God exists in three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the doctrine of the Trinity. That's how we understand who God is. Yes, God has three parts, but it's still God. And only can it be one God and we also be monotheists. Because if, if not, we're, we're actually uh, polytheists. There are three gods, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, we reject that idea. We are monotheists. God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit in one. That oneness uh, is what is missing between my Father and I and my children and me, right? It's the same thing. What happened with, with God was He Himself was on the cross. He was willing to die to show us how much He loves mankind. Jesus is God on the cross. God did not sacrifice his son. God sacrificed himself. God endured the cross so that we would know how deep his love is for everyone, including the Romans uh, and the religious leaders who killed him, including for Peter who betrayed him. including Judas, uh, who sold him, right, who, who betrayed him. Uh, sorry, Judas betrayed him, Peter denied him. They're both betrayal, so it's a little semantical. But it's more poetic to say that, I suppose. For Peter, who denied him. For Judas, who betrayed him. For all his apostles who misunderstood him at the time he was on the cross. Many of them still thinking he was going to come back with a sword in his hand, that he was going to be the military leader that Israel needed to uh, free them from Roman occupation. God, Jesus on the cross is God on the cross. God is co-suffering with man. Many people went to the cross, but God also went to the cross. Right? Many people were persecuted uh, by the Romans... Jesus was persecuted by the Romans. He suffers with us, right? He's, he's, he's not a person who would send his son uh, to die. Um, he's a person who goes to die, right? And, and that's, uh, to me, that's, it's fine to start with Jesus. Jesus, you know, sacrificed his son. I think most people start in that position, right? That that's a starting place that many of us have for what happened on the cross. Uh, but I think the more you look into it, uh, the deeper you understand what happened at the cross, uh, the more uh, you come to the realization that indeed that was God himself on the cross. And that changes everything, right? Uh, that that is a, a game changer. Um, uh, so back to Israel and and Hamas. So Hamas is the is the uh, name for the uh, militant group that Israel is fighting against. <clears throat> they go by the name Hamas. Um, What's happening there is sad, and it's it's the story, it's the story of mankind, and that story is 
we can solve our, our problems by violence. And it's, it's a very sad belief. It's a wrong belief. Violence begets violence. Jesus said, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. One of the, one of the missions of Jesus who came in bodily form, who took on human flesh, his mission was to redirect us from violence. He foresaw, he knew, he foreknew, I should say, he foresaw, <laughs> he foreknew that Jerusalem was soon going to be destroyed by the Romans and the thousands upon thousands of uh, the pe of people in Jerusalem were going to be slaughtered. That because Jews continued to rebel against Rome in violent ways, he knew that eventually Rome was not going to just sit back and take it. They were going to make a decisive point that they are in charge, that the Jews have no power. Uh, and what happened was that Jews continued to rebel and Rome finally acted decisively. Uh, they destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the, the temple. Uh, they killed thousands upon thousands of people, women, children, old people, and men. Uh, and the temple from that time has never been rebuilt. The temple has been destroyed for nearly 2,000 years. And so Jews have not had a place to worship for nearly 2,000 years. But, but, the problem is, Israel was restored on the day of Pentecost, 10 days, if I'm not mistaken, 10 days after Jesus ascended. So, Jesus was crucified, right? He rose on the third day. He was on the earth in this glorified, resurrected body for 40 days, appearing to many uh, apostles, disciples. And after 40 days, he ascended into heaven. And then 10 days later, he came again, but this time in the uh, person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost, right? This was the reconstitution of Israel. This was God coming back to dwell in his temple in Israel. And the 12 apostles represent the new Israel. And the temple is their bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul says. And so Israel has already be re been reconstituted through the apostles and as the church. The church is supposed to be the new Israel. And yet the church, by and large, is looking at physical Israel to somehow usher in the coming of Christ. When Christ came on Pentecost as the Holy Spirit. What else would we need? Jesus lives inside of us. Why would we need anything else? He already came. He's given you what you need. 
<sighs> yeah, I don't know. I <clears throat> it's just ridiculous. Uh, no matter what Jesus promises us and fulfills his promises, it's never enough for us. We always want something physical. This 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 thing that we want with Israel, right? We want we want the Jews to come back to Jerusalem and somehow we think they're all going to embrace Christ that they're going to embrace Jesus that that somehow uh, this is all going to uh, be good for the church for Christians that maybe somehow we'll finally be exalted the way the church has always desired to be exalted since Constantine right but the problem is the church's position is not an exalted church's position is the lowest of the low we are to be in the in the gutters we are to be uh, in in the in the hospitals right in the ghettos in the refugee camps uh, we are to be in the AIDS clinics in the abortion clinics we are to be wherever people are at their lowest point. We are to meet people at their rock bottom and help them get out of it. And Jesus is with us when we do that. We are acting on his behalf and he is acting through us at the same time. Our battle is not some political stupid thing. I had this conversation where you know, I only get political when I'm trying to shake a few Christians out of politics. I really don't like politics. I don't think anybody is is good or bad. What I don't like is when Christians are trashing the name of Christ by partaking in the political, by partaking in politics in a way that throws shade on the person of Christ. You know, we, we wear his name. Christian is Christian, right? We wear his name, and yet we do things that that he has no business partaking in. It's not, it's not why he came. He didn't come for the well, but for the sick. pretty sure that's a direct quote of Jesus. I did not come for the well, but for the sick. And yet Christians want, you know, Christians want to be more than that. They want to do more than that. It's not enough for them uh, to help the needy. They also want to have power. They want to have political power. Uh, they want to um, be like all the other strong countries that they see, right? Uh, just like Israel's clamoring for, for a, a human king. They didn't want God to be king. Uh, they wanted a, a strong warrior king. Like, that's so they got Saul, right? That's what they wanted. God gave them what they wanted. Even though God wanted to be their king, they rejected God as king, and they wanted Saul. Uh, yeah, so, man, it's complex what's going on. 
but the Christian, the, the Jesus position, right? The position of Christ himself, where we should be working, is not behind the weapons, but between the weapons and the people. That's, that's where Christ's possession is. How do we protect people from being killed? How do we heal people who are wounded? Uh, how do we bring near people who have been cast out? for people is to be reconciled, right? To be reconciled with your, with your neighbor, with your brother, uh, with every human being. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is all about being brought back into relationship. Be reconciled. So pray for Israel. Pray for the people of Gaza. Pray for reconciliation. Pray for healing. Pray for peace. Pray to the pray for the stop of fighting. Right? Pray for fighting to stop. That's what we want. All right. Um, I've got just a few minutes to wrap this up. So. Jesus is only concerned about the people being hurt. That's where Jesus' concern is. And if that's where your concern is, then you have Jesus in you. And thank you for that. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.